Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy birthday. Doing, oh, what? Oh, it's my birthday? <laughs> it was my birthday, yes. How many are not having any more birthdays? Uh, just curious, raise your hand. You just, you've hit the quota. You're good now, okay? I've hit my quota. I'm good. How many of you, no, how many did your taxes? Better question. How many haven't done their taxes yet? Really? Okay, we're going to have a small group afterwards uh, over here uh, to deal with these issues right there, but... But yeah, it was my birthday yesterday. I'm a tax deadline baby, so, you know. It's, and I always tell people this about my birthday. If you're an April 15th baby, you always tell them this. Um, let's see. Abraham Lincoln shot and killed. Titanic was hit but sank on the 15th. Taxes due. Jim Del Campo born. What a great day. Amen. <laughs> You know, so I always try to put it that way to give it perspective. So uh, today we begin a new series. If it's your first time with us, or maybe you came for the first time last week, whatever that may be. But uh, I like to start off um, uh, messages with a verse that we'll look at for as many weeks as it takes. And I take a little bit out of that verse every week. Kind of gives you the ability to learn a verse and get an idea of a verse. Before I get into the message, which we're starting a series, a four-week series on the parables. We're going to look at the Good Samaritan today, but I want to start with one of the verses that I really enjoy, and that's Joshua 1.8, if you put it on the screen, please, and I'm going to ask you to read it with me. I'm going to count to three, and I want everyone to read it out loud with me, okay? Does that sound good? Okay? Here we, and you're not going to be judged by reading out loud. Just read it out loud. Here we go. One, two, three. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Anybody want to be prosperous or successful? Yeah, follow the word of God, and God says he'll honor that. But here's what I want to pull out very quickly today. Put, put that verse back, you took it away from me. I, um, uh, I, want to, I want to just point out this as the beginning of this verse, and every week we'll do a little more. But Joshua... He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, you have to think that, because we know that Moses wrote the first five books of the law, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We know that by this time, Moses is now died. He went up to Mount Nebo, and that's where he died up there. Um, so now Joshua says, this book of the law. So this is like the first time ever because now they have the written word because Moses wrote it. Um, it's the first time ever anyone has ever been guided by the actual written word of God. Have you ever thought about that? It's the first time ever in history because Joshua now has the written word written by Moses, this book of the law. And since then, we've all been guided, followers of you know, Yahweh now for us, followers of Christ, we're guided by the written word of God. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Correct? And so we're guided by that. Whenever we're trying to figure out what to do or what's right and what's wrong, we go to the word of God. And remember, if what I think or what you think differs from the word of God, who's right, us or the word of God? The word of God is always right. And so you can bank on something 
that's not shaken around, it's not built on shifting sand, but it's consistent, it's there, it's true. Jesus said, thy word is truth. So, because Jesus said it, and by virtue of who he was, I kind of take his, his word on it. Any amens on that one right there? Now, we're gonna go into the Good Samaritan, beginning today. These are parables that we're gonna look at. They're stories thrown alongside that Jesus gives to illustrate things that he wants to get into his hearers' minds, very important. So I want to begin with a really um, a probing question, a question that I hope you'll take with you. I know instantly you'll probably conjure up somebody or some, someone in your mind, but I want you right now, I want you to think about the person or the persons that you consider an enemy, that you just don't like very much, that you could, you're in the same room with them, and you have no problem ignoring them whatsoever. What I'm really asking you is, think about the person or the persons that you and I allow ourselves to act non-Christian around. That's really what I'm saying, right? Because it's really easy to do that. And in fact, it's really easy as we talk about the situation, our situation to others, how many know it's really easy to paint ourselves like the, the holy, innocent victim in the story, and they are pretty much the devil? Any amens on that? Yes or no? Raise your, yeah. Okay, we know that's really easy to do. And I'm not saying there isn't some truth to that, but I'm just, I'm just saying those things. And I could even flip the idea around. I mean, if you think about people that we're not going to be nice to, ignore, whatever we're going to do that we act non-Christian around, aren't we really, really... Um, hindering our spiritual growth in God by treating him that way? Yeah, yes or no? Yeah, we are. And as followers of Christ, I mean, we don't want to hinder our spiritual growth whatsoever. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, I applaud you. Good. You get to learn so many things. But this whole idea of Good Samaritan, this term that's a cliche, it's a good cliche. You know, they're a Good Samaritan. Um, it came from the Bible. And Samaritan has a deeper meaning than what we mean today. And we're going to look at all these things. And we're going to see how Jesus used it because he coined the whole idea of this group of people, the Samaritans. And there's this good Samaritan that comes along on the road there. We're going to, what I'm going to do is we're going to read part of it. I'm going to build the, the story up that Jesus shares. Then I'm going to take you down three applications. And then I'm going to drive it home. How many are used to me giving two clothes, I go close and close, close. Anybody used to that one by now? Raise your hand if you're used to that by now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna top that today, okay? I'm gonna go close, 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 close. Is that okay? And then the roof, don't worry, you're gonna get to eat today at some point, I promise, okay? It's, it's gonna be quick, they're gonna be quick. So, um, so Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible or you are gonna turn to it on, in your phone, however you, you, know, you, you read the scriptures there, but Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 25 to 29, and I'm going to build the case so you really understand what we're looking at, what Jesus is implementing in the situation. There's Jesus, and there's a lawyer that's going to come and ask him a question, and that sets everything off. So here we go, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, and it says this. And a lawyer stood up and put him, him is Jesus, to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do 
to inherit eternal life. So the lawyer comes up and he asks Jesus a question. Now, a lawyer in that day, to understand the lawyer, he is an Old Testament scholar. He knows his Old Testament backwards, forwards, upside down. Did you notice the question that he asked Jesus is designed to test him? Did you catch that? And so they are always trying to trip Jesus up. They're always trying to get him to admit something not true or to say something that will get him, get the Jewish community turned against him. They're, all, they're always trying something to get this guy. But um, the question that he asked Jesus is a very simple but a very important question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what will get me to heaven? What will get me to eternity with, for him, Yahweh God, which is the only true God? Now, verse 26, he's now asked Jesus the question. And verse 26 says, and he, who's Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? Now, the man is an Old Testament scholar, correct? That's the law. So Jesus says, he answers the question with the question, what does it say in the law? What, what does that mean to you? Here's what Jesus just told the man. He said, look, you're an Old Testament scholar. You tell me and we'll both know. And that's what he just told him. And so he's, he's kind of luring the man in because remember the man, the lawyer has come to trap Jesus, has he not? But now Jesus asking the question back, He's setting a trap for the man, and the man doesn't even know it. The man has no idea what's going to be coming at him now because Jesus now has this guy on the hook now. Verse 27. Here's what the lawyer says. He says, well, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as what? As yourself. The lawyer says, well, look, you're Jewish, I'm Jewish, I know the law. Here's what it is. You know that stuff you and I have learned since childhood on up, that we're to love God first and foremost, and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. You you've heard that one, right? He goes, well, he goes, that's what we're supposed to do. And it's a good answer. But what's the problem with that? Can anyone perfectly love God or love their neighbor as themselves? Can anyone get that right every time? And by the way, that's not an excuse to say, I, I'm, well, I'm not Jesus. I've heard Christians use that phony baloney excuse so many times. Yes, you are Christ. He lives inside of you now. Amen to that one? You won't get it right every time, but you keep trying to get it right. But we can't get it right every, and we keep trying, which means that doing good deeds, and we could segue in this, but we're not gonna go there, but it's doing good deeds will never send a person to heaven. You can't do good deeds. They don't nullify or erase or wash away sins. Only Jesus and the blood he shed on the cross can wash away sins, amen? Okay, so we settled that one right there really quickly. Now, verse uh, 28. Here's what Jesus tells him after the man said those things. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Oh, you're right. He says, you're right. Just go do that and everything is going to work out for you right there. But here's, here's where it, it shifts. Verse 29. And this is where now the man has going to, he's going to jump in the trap now. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
Now listen to what he just said. Wishing to justify himself. I think that's huge because we all, every one of us, don't act like you don't do it. Every one of us at times to do what we want to do and mistreat somebody or ignore somebody or this and that, we justify ourselves, do we not? Yes or no? We can even bend the scriptures a little bit and like I said before, we make ourselves the innocent victim in the story when we talk to others. Am I right? He wants to justify himself. Oh, that's interesting. But then he asks the question. It's the big question. He asks Jesus. Okay, I got you. But who's my neighbor? Huh. And this is where you and I begin to distort and rewrite who we can be nice to and who we're not nice to. Right? So he's really wondering, he says, okay, I'll put it in March. Is, is my neighbor just my family? Is it my neighborhood peeps that live around me? And he's Jewish, and so is it just certain Jews and not other Jews? And if you drill down deeper in the man's life, if you stood there with him and understood in that time frame, because we have to go back a couple thousand years to really understand what he's really thinking, he's thinking probably that his neighbor is someone who is a descendant of a man by the name of Abraham, the father of the faith, the father of all the Jews. Amen? He thinks that's his neighbor because he's a Jewish man in that time frame right there. So he's really asking, well, okay, which Jews am I required to be nice, be nice to, help out, etc., etc.? What he doesn't know that once he's stated these things and asked these questions, now Jesus has him where he wants him. Now Jesus has him. He's, he's basically caught in the very trap that he laid for Jesus. And now Jesus is going to tell this story. And the story's going to blow him away. And it's going to blow you and I away in areas of our life if we are focused in today. If our mind's wandering because you got to fix a sprinkler today at 1.30, you're going to miss it. You got to focus in because it will challenge your life, what Jesus is saying. And by the way, has anyone here noticed if and when you read the Bible that it challenges your life? Anybody? There's four of you that challenge. Okay. Yes, it pushes you hard, doesn't it? Here we go. Here we go. Number one in your notes, and that is this. Jesus deconstructs and reconstructs the idea of neighbor. What is a neighbor? He's going to deconstruct the mindset of the man and us, and he's going to reconstruct the thinking of what a neighbor is. Let's look at verse 30 to 33, and watch now. Jesus now is going to lay out this brilliant story of the Samaritan. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jericho to, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the what? On the other side. He sees him, crosses over, and just keeps on walking. Verse 32. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and he saw him, passed by on the what? On the other side. Verse 33. But a Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt what? He feels compassion for the man. Okay, now, let's go back in time. Let's all pretend we're there. Let me describe to you 
the geography and where they're going and what they're doing so you get the feel of it so every time you read the story you got a real picture of what exactly is happening here Jerusalem to Jericho that road which still exists today you'll even see a sign there the road to Jericho off the side of the road as the tour bus heads up to Jerusalem Jerusalem is at 4,000 plus foot elevation it's it's high it can snow there in the winter time from Jerusalem to Jericho it's a 17 mile walk it drops 3,300 feet over 17 miles on this road there were always robbers hiding they're always lying in wait for businessmen or anyone that had anything on them that's why the road was called the bloody way everyone knew it so when Jesus begins telling the story of Jerusalem Jericho they all know they can all see it they have walked the road they understand it it would be like somebody coming on the news and saying over here in whatever city you live in and this you know it you understand it you know the dangers of a certain area or, or whatever that is now this man as he walks down the road he's he's attacked they jump him they beat him these robbers do and they beat him to an inch of his life and they leave him in the road they've stripped him naked of all of his clothes the humiliation of laying there and so they take his money they take everything he has and they got the stuff now and they leave him right there on the road now I need a segue to really give you what's going on here and what Jesus is doing because Jesus is brilliant at this he's just brilliant and you know he's like God in the flesh right so he's brilliant and so let me let me try to paint this picture um, how many of you like for the last three years I have struggled with vertigo how many struggle with vertigo raise your hand I'm just curious how many of us need to be in a small group raise your hand raise your hand okay first first service I think they all had vertigo no I'm just joking <laughs> I've struggled with it. it it's it's an off and on thing with me sometimes I've gotten so bad have you ever had it where you have to hold on to the wall because you're going to fall over anyone ever done that one isn't that the weirdest thing in the world right you can't stand up you fall over and and I say this also to warn you if I ever fall off don't worry I'll get back up okay it was just spinning for a while uh, how many of you have ever had the room just spinning on you I mean it's a terrible feeling is it not oh my gosh I, I started to get this started among the vertigo about a year and three months ago that one night some of you remember this I was going to start Tuesday night Bible study but I couldn't because I started I got this thing where it starts to swirl and it feels like I'm going to just pass out and it lasts for like two seconds and then it clears up again and I got real scared one of the doctor the whole thing and then he I'm, I'm like 50 years old he thought I was 30 and stuff like that it's like <laughs> so that's funny huh okay okay that's real funny and so um, but uh, they, you're okay this and that and they told me you need to do this this and this but here's the thing when you have vertigo I mean it really disorients you does it not it, it throws your balance off does it not you're disoriented you're off balance it's like things spin you just can't stand up everything that was firm is not firm anymore it doesn't even matter what you're doing Jesus is telling the story of the good Samaritan because he wants to get the lawyer off balance he wants to disorient him with everything he has believed in his life 
because he wants to deconstruct old ideas because he has to reconstruct new ideas according to the word and will of God listen to me listen to me if you're not reading your Bible that's just not happening for you you're, you're getting all your reconstruction or affirming the old, de, old construction from out there somewhere but you and I like the lawyer I'm included we all have old stinking thinking in our mind still raise your hand if that's true. I'll raise both my feet and both my hands we all have it you can say no I don't yeah you do you're not Jesus okay turn to your neighbor and say you're not Jesus okay now we've settled that correct now we've settled that you're imperfect and you can have some old stinking thinking all right so Jesus comes along and he's going to deconstruct old thinking in this guy's life in this lawyer's life he's going to get him off balance he's going to disorient him uh, so he can start to reconstruct some new thinking and renew this guy's mind now with that idea here we go staying in point one I'm not point two yet the dying man is laying there in the road first off a priest walks by is he religious oh yeah the priest walks by sees him right there what does he do steps to the side and walks on by no he just keeps oh you know that song okay and so and then he keeps going the Levite comes behind he sees the man what does he do he walks on by good somebody out there good you're you're in the spirit of God right now somebody out there and he walks on by they both saw him they move over and they keep walking and they don't want to do anything for the man here's what's wild here's what the story doesn't tell you but if you read your Old Testament you know this these guys are wearing what the Old Testament calls phylacteries and these are these little box shaped covered in leather pouches strapped to the arm they were right here or they wear them on the forehead if you go to Israel go near the wailing wall you'll see rabbis there. you're going to see some of them they got their phylacteries on in the phylacteries they have portions of scripture in those phylacteries some of the portions of scripture are Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 18 Old Testament patches which read love God and love your neighbor as your so whoa so they are actually carrying the very verses that says you're to love other people and they see the man move over and walk on by so they know the truth but they don't live the truth see we we carry phylacteries don't we some of you brought one in today right some of you have it on your phone we all have phylacteries we know the truth but now Jesus exposes the hypocrisy of these two religious guys now so this guy's listening to the story the lawyer and now Jesus is going to blow the guy's mind he's going to say something watch, watch Jesus tells the man and we read it out but I'll just tell you he says in the story the priest walked by the Levite walked by and then Jesus says but a Samaritan now look up at me if you were a Jewish person listening to Jesus that day and Jesus uses the word but a Samaritan here's what your face would do because they can't stand Samaritans and Samaritans don't like them either 
There's a big ethnic rift between these two people groups. And they live right next to each other territorially. What happened and who these people are, to give you an understanding, this man, the Samaritan, who walks in, he sees the man in the road, he feels for the man, he helps the man, but the big rift, they go, oh, Samaritan, why would Jesus do that? See, the Samaritans, to understand them, they're half-breeds. They are a mixture of Jewish and Assyrian when the Assyrians invaded the northern part of Israel and they intermingled with the Jews there and so they, they're, they're half-breeds and then they build their own temple of worship in the north to keep people from going to the south to worship in Jerusalem at the Jewish temple and they have done things to each other over the years to antagonize each other and remember, if you remember when they attacked Jesus one time the Jewish leaders even told Jesus, is it not true you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So calling a Jewish man a Samaritan is like a big put down. It's really, really bad. And then Jesus has the gall in the story to say, but a Samaritan. Jesus has the gall to make the hero in the story a what? A Samaritan, the Jewish lawyer, if, any, if he thinks anyone in the story is a Samaritan, it has to be the robbers. But Jesus makes the good guy, the guy that helps his neighbor, that's, it's a Samaritan. If you're the lawyer, what are you doing by now? You're so off balance, you're so disoriented, your old way of thinking, it's just like, it's just blowing your mind right there. You are off the, now, now think, 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 think. He's deconstructing the guy's thinking to reconstruct it correctly. He does it with you and me. And he gives us a little time. But there's the danger. You're gonna walk out here today. You got the person in your mind or persons that you know you've justified in your heart. I don't have to act like a Christian around them. I don't have to be nice to them. I don't have to do that. You've justified it. And the danger is to walk out and forget it. But you gotta keep thinking of because it takes time. There's a disorientation in your mind when you're hit with certain truths like this because remember when Saul slash Paul was walking on the road to Damascus to murder Christians, I've stomp out Christianity, stomp out, remember that guy? And then when he has an encounter and he sees Jesus resurrected, changes his whole life. Real historical figure, really happened. And what happens? He's blinded for three days and he lays there for three days thinking about what he just saw. Why three days? Why doesn't he just come? No, because he's disoriented. And now he has to rethink everything that he thought and believed was the way it was in his life. And Jesus just, boom, hit him. And it's got to change. And how many know it takes a few days, if not a week, to rethink something when Jesus says it's this way, not that way? Anybody? It takes a little bit of time. It's tough. And so he gives us that, that grace period where we got to change our life, but he doesn't let us off the hook, guys. Uh-uh. So Jesus now has the man backpedaling. He's deconstructing to reconstruct things in the man's life. So here we go. Point two. It costs us more not to care than to care. How many know that's true? But do you know why it's true? Here, we'll get into it. 33 to 35. Watch this. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. 
and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Oh my God, a denarii is like a day's wage in that day. Give him two denarii. Now, let, let's, let's get into this thing right now. Let me tell you what just happened. The Samaritan comes along and he sees the man in the road and he feels compassion, correct? And the compassion drives the man to stop and to help the guy. He takes wine and oil and he pours it on the man's wounds, starts to help the man up. Why wine and oil? What is that? Why does he have it? Because that is your traveling medicine case when you went on trips, if you got injured or if you got, or something happened, you had medicine for yourself. He takes his own medicine for himself if he was a good jump and he uses it on the man. He takes the man, he lifts him up, he puts him on his own beast, which means what? He elevated the man to an equal level with himself. Any amens on that one right there? So now you see this whole movement right here. Then, what does he do? He takes the Samaritan to an inn. Now, you got to understand this. This is near Jerusalem. This is not Samaritan central. This is Jewish central. These are Jewish settlements there. They are not Samaritan settlements. Is the Samaritan, by going to a Jewish settlement, taking his life into his own hands? You better believe it. He is. And he takes the man there to the, to the Jewish settlement. Very dangerous. But here's what gets me. In verse 35, if you have your Bible, it says, on the next day. You ever catch that? What does that infer? He took him to the inn, paid the money, and he stayed all night long with the man making sure the man doesn't die. He stays with the man on the next day. And that's not it. Then the next day comes and he tells the innkeeper, here's the money. When I return, if you spent any more on the man, I'll give you the money. You know why that's huge? Because innkeepers in that time were very immoral. He would have left and the innkeeper said, let the guy die. I already got the money. The man, this Samaritan will never know. But because he tells the innkeeper, I'll give you more money, what does the innkeeper want? Money. If I'll give you more money. That guy's alive when I get back. I'll pay you what you spent. The innkeeper thinks, man, I could charge this guy whatever I want. But this keeps the guy alive, does it not? And the Samaritan understands that. And so he pays this money to this guy. He gives up his resources. Oh my gosh. Here is the kicker of the story in this, at this impact moment right here. If the roles were reversed and it was a Samaritan in the road dying and a Jewish man walking along and seeing the Samaritan die, would the Jewish man have helped the Samaritan? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But the Samaritan, different ethnic, ethnicity, he stops, he helps the man right there, and he does it because he has compassion. Compassion makes you human. We have too many people walking around today that aren't human anymore, huh? 
Compassion's gone. Jesus said, as we hurtle towards the last days on earth, that the love of many will grow ice cold. We won't care for each other. We won't love each other. It's true, huh? The man has compassion, but the love of many will grow cold. Where are we on that spectrum today? Do we have compassion individually or are we growing cold in our... What is it? Where are we? That's a big question to ask ourselves. But back to the point of point two. It costs more not to care than to care. What do you mean, Jim? What do you mean by that? Well, think about that. Think, 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 think. The priest and the Levite, they had this tremendous opportunity to become better people by helping the man out, right? They had tremendous opportunity to use the resources God gave them to help somebody out, right? They had all these opportunities there. They had an opportunity to be a greater influence of the love of God in an uncaring, cold world, right? But they didn't do it. It costs you and I more not to care because we just get stunted. We get stuck. We don't grow. We don't show the love of Jesus. It costs more not to care than to care. Never forget that. Never forget that. And number three, do not limit your definition of neighbor to people like yourself or myself. Look at verse 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Verse 37. And he said, well, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the the same. Oh, ow. Jesus asked him, who proved to be the neighbor? And did you catch it? He says, who proved? He goes, the one who showed mercy. Did you catch it? The lawyer couldn't even say the word Samaritan. So much, so much resentment, disdain for that certain person. Couldn't even say his name. Couldn't even say what he was. Uh, the, one, the one who showed mercy. Jesus, go prove it. Prove that you do love God. Prove that you love your neighbor. Prove it. Because, and by the way, when you do that, it's going to go against all of your natural inclinations to stay out of situations. It's going to go against all your natural, whatever, bitternesses or whatever. I don't like that person. I don't want to talk to that. It's going to go against everything. It's just going to do that. Big question. Tune in right now. Get up. Don't quit looking at your phone playing games. The game don't matter right now this way. Have you ever wondered why that person or those persons are in your life now? Have you ever wondered why they're in your life? You know, the ones you don't want to have in your life? The ones you wish had never come into your life? You ever wonder why they're in your life? Could it be? Is it possible? Because those people force you and I to grow and be a neighbor, to prove our faith in God. Any amens? That's what they're there for. And by the way, you know, New Testament says God is not mocked. In other words, you can't fool. God's not like your parents. How many of you could fool your parents growing up, lie, and they believed you? Raise your hand. God's not like that, okay? God is not mocked. So listen up, Michael Corleone, okay? 
If you know your Godfather movies, Godfather 2, remember Fredo and Michael? And remember when the mom dies and Michael comes up and you think, oh, he's with Fredo, and they hug or whatever, and you think, oh, he's forgiven Fredo, this and that, and then a few minutes later, what does he do? Has him killed in the boat. He goes and hugs him like, oh, we're good and this and that, but then he goes kills him in the boat. See, God's not mocked. He knows that if you're just, oh, pretending this and that, he knows that in your heart you're still killing Fredo in the boat, okay? He knows it. Now, I say that not to state or even infer that, well, then if I don't feel it, then I shouldn't do it at all. No. No, God would say you do it and you open your heart and let compassion come out and grow and change and transform in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? Some of you need to do that with your spouse today. I'm just checking, okay. Okay, okay, I'm gonna close now. I got close, 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 close. All right, real quick. Close. This is important because your children are gonna follow your example. The priest walks, sees him, other side walks. Who's behind him? The Levite. Is it possible that he saw the priest do that? He goes, I'm gonna do that too. Oh, so people are following our example. We say, my kids don't know. <laughs> Give me a break, yeah. Yes, they do. Quit justifying it. Close, close. There's a question behind the question. See, the question was, who is my neighbor? But the real, real, real question is this. Which of the three proved that they loved God with all their heart? The Samaritan. See, we prove that we love God by loving our neighbors. Say, Jim, that's not true. Really? So you haven't read past anywhere in the Bible. 1 John 4, 12. I'm glad you disagreed with me. I'm going to show you. Look at this. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Ah, don't you wish that wasn't there? I prove my love for God by loving others. It's that simple. It's just so simple, isn't it? Close, close, close. Here it is. The question is this now. Did Jesus practice what he preached? Aren't you glad? Let me flip the story all around now with different typology. The man dying in the road. You know who that man is? all of us it's every human on the planet because we've sinned before a holy God yes there is right and wrong there are absolutes if you don't believe in absolutes you've bought in the Kool-Aid out there then go to the bank and tell them you'd like to draw out your million dollars and they'll say oh sir ma'am you only have $800 oh no no that's your truth uh, I have my truth you know I have a million you're going to find out right away there are absolutes. Amen? It's all over the place. Okay. He practiced what he preached. So, we're the people dying in the road. We've sinned against a holy God. And sin leads to separation from God because God is holy. 
Okay. Priest and Levite come by. That's religion. Religion can't help you. You can be as religious as you want to be. Because religion is the idea that I can do good works to reach God. No, you can't, and neither can I. I do good works because I've asked Christ into my life, and now I choose to do good works because a good God now dwells in me, this ex-sinner, hoping to walk right. Any amens? Religion will never get you to heaven. You could try all you want. You could take your risk, but that's eternity. Can't help you. The Samaritan, who's he? That's the picture of Jesus. He's the one that stops. He's the one that enters into a dangerous situation. He comes to earth, and they're going to butcher him. They're going to torture him. They're going to kill him, but he's taking the risk. And he's going to die for you. He paid the price. He's paying the innkeeper with his life. And he puts you on the beast and he elevates you into a higher place in life so you know that you're somebody in Jesus. Make sense? Ah, and then, and then the good Samaritan brings the man to the inn. Huh? Oh, what? You, what, you want me to be in fellowship in person? Yeah. That's one of my pet peeves since COVID. Do you know how many people I have heard tell me, oh, I, I still read my Bible, I don't have to. Okay, so do we, right? But why do you eliminate so much more? At what point did you become God and decide you didn't need fellowship? At what point, Eve, did you say, oh, I can be a God and I can be the shot caller and decide what's right and wrong? That's what you're doing. When you say you don't need fellowship, I don't need to be, I don't need to come together. I, I just read my Bible and pray that. No, I'm sorry. No, no, there's way more. There's way more. Oh, and the one they always say, I don't, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's true. But the flip side is, if I am a Christian, I'll want to go. Because I want to be around the family of God and I want to come together and worship God and I want to serve you, Jesus, and I want to do those things. If I say otherwise, I've made myself God. And I'm rewriting what this says. So yeah, Jesus practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. And he came to die for you and me on that cross to save you and to save me. And I'm so thankful. So thankful I took him up on that offer. Forty-some years ago, never looked back. Always appreciated it. Because I couldn't save myself. I wasn't even looking for Jesus, but he was looking for me. Some of you weren't even looking for Jesus, but he's looking for you because he loves you. He came and he paid the price. He paid the price to save you because you're the person, so am I, lying in the road, dying, separated from God. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I'm going to make you my Lord, my Savior. Please forgive me my sins. I'm going to follow you. I surrender. This is the guidebook now. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. I'm going to follow you. You've never done that. The time is now. Or maybe you backslid. You know, you walked away. You're not living for God. You're just kind of living for what you want and when you want and how you want. It doesn't matter what God says. But it's time to get the life right. So I'm going to do this. Close your eyes, everybody. No moving around, please. And if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus today, because you never have, or you want to rededicate your life to Christ because you walked away who knows when and to surrender again to him but this time for good then we're excited for you I'm going to ask you to do something between you and me and God as a sign between you and me and God 
you'd like to place your faith in Christ or rededicate your life, I want you right where you're sitting as a sign between you and me and God to open up your eyes, look up at me, and I'm going to look back at you. And when our eyes meet, you can close them, but do it right now as I look around. Do it right now. Do it right now. Now, those who looked up at me, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Everyone here, say it with them. But no, when you looked up at me and saying this prayer, you got to put your faith in Jesus. This is not a game. This is not a phony commitment that you can walk away from. God sees it. And he has expectation now that you're going to follow up on this stuff. That you're going to surrender your life to him because he surrendered his life to die for you on a cross that you may have life. So repeat this prayer out loud after me. Everyone say it with them. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. For taking my place on the cross. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Forgive me of all my sins. I surrender my life to you. Come dwell in me, Holy Spirit. Today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Now, allow me to pray for you all. God, I just pray for everyone that looked up that we, we follow. But I pray for every one of us here because we learned something today from this word that really challenged us. And if we turn our back on it, we stunt our growth. It disoriented us. It shook our foundations good because it has to deconstruct to reconstruct. I thank you for those who gave their life to Christ. I thank you for those who dedicated life. And by the way, if you gave your life to Christ, you dedicated your life, you need to follow up now. You need to get a Bible. We got them for free. We got them for free. You start reading that New Testament and stay there because that's who you're following now. You turn from sin. You tell your friends you're a Christian now. And if you're sitting next to somebody and you looked up at me, give them a quick little elbow on the side. Don't break the ribs, just, just give them a little elbow, okay? So if somebody else has to know. They have to know. You cannot be a secret Christian. That's not the New Testament principle. We thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for every day and all the good things you do in our life, Lord. We thank you that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you. The angels rejoice over this. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me, everybody. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. How, how many were going to warn me? Who was going to Yeah, okay. First service scolds me, but you guys warn me. Okay. Here we go. Really loud. Here we go. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church. 
because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you now. Have a great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.